Guasso, bro. Ay. <laughs> There's not a rule that you have to use the three subs. He's, he's the best left back in Canada, without a doubt. Right, and hello everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Third Sub Podcast, episode 108 of the Third Sub Podcast, presented by Macy Sports. And we've got a special episode here with you. We've got the Third Sub, 30 minutes or less. We're going to roll through all things Vancouver Whitecaps in this special episode. For those who are used to our shows, they tend to be a bit longer, and fear not, those aren't going away anytime soon. But with so much going on in the sporting landscape, in the Whitecaps landscape. We're going to introduce to you these 30 minutes or less shows where we just got a lot to talk about, got to get it off our chest. We're going to dive into it. So without further ado, without wasting any time, I'm your co-host, Alexander Gungeruzic. I'm joined, as always, by Samuel Rowan. And Sam, before we go into this jam-packed 30-minute show, how are we doing this week? We're doing well. Yeah, I like this idea of, you know, bringing it to you in an express format, especially when we have tight windows between matches there's a lot to get to you know this stuff isn't lasting forever so uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about san jose talk a little bit about the upcoming match against austin general whitecaps musings and i can't wait to get into it yeah no for sure and i mean let's let's not waste any time and and dive into it the vancouver whitecaps it's a tough stretch but it's also it's a good stretch but it's not a good stretch it's a mediocre stretch and i suppose if they were atop the table the stretch would be f- phenomenal you're picking up points you're you're cementing your spot in the standings but when your spot in the standings is the bottom of the standings a five game draw streak you don't you know that does nothing for you seven uh, a, you you're undefeated in eight of the last nine games but you've only won one of those eight games you've drawn the other seven leaving 14 points on the table that, that's not good for for getting yourself off of the bottom it's good for keeping yourself there but uh it's a tough time for the the vancouver Whitecaps. so i mean we'll quickly dive into a bit of the la galaxy game from last week we didn't really touch about it just because there's a few talking points that prove pertinent for their next game a nil-nil snooze fest with the San Jose Earthquakes where their second nil-nil the season, neither XG really, you know, not much XG on either team, kind of a snooze fest. Their second such snooze fest in the last five games. They also had a nil-nil with Houston, which might be the most boring game I've ever watched in Whitecaps history. Was that bad? It's certainly up there, yeah. It's certainly in the top three easily. And this San Jose game arguably might be up there too, but at least there were some chances. So Let's going quick to that that LA Galaxy game. For me, marked by a Patrick Metcalf start. That was very good to see. Good to see him get an opportunity. Otherwise, a nice Ranko Veselinovic goal, a re- deserved reward for some of the And a nice Ranko performance overall. And really, that extends to San Jose as well. That's If I can circle one guy who's been really good over this stretch of draws that's been unremarkable in a lot of ways, it would be Ranko. And I don't know if it was you or it was Caleb who tweeted out. But I, but I thought it was very appropriate. Like, find me a more improved Whitecaps player from 2020 to 2021. And I think that's that's really true. He's taken the biggest step in year two on this team. And, and that's awesome for the Whitecaps, whether they want to transfer him on or if he's part of the core going forward, especially with Godoy facing injuries at the moment. Yeah, that's it. I was just, that's for me the point. biggest point with Ranko's goal. Obviously, it was a big goal. 
nice to see him score. He's hit the post, I think, a few times. He's hit the bar. He's always a threat. He, he's good in the air. He's, he's you know, he's, he's got a, a, a good head. <laughs> you know, he just knows how to get his head on the end of the balls and just get, get chances. So, for me, it was a deserved goal for him, but also a deserved reward for how he was playing. So, the LA Galaxy draw, I guess – depending on how you look at it, I I feel like the fact they went down away from home and picked up a point is always nice. Again, for a Whitecaps team that needs wins, is that the sort of of moral victory you need now? No, you've already had some good moral victories against, or not moral victories, but moral draws, I suppose, against Seattle where you come back. That's that's a legitimate, the Seattle one was a legitimate good moral victory draw, but a lot of the ones since have been sold as that without really possessing the same quality. Yeah, well, it's like the Seattle game, they had lost five in a row at that point. They're playing the top team in the league. They picked up a draw. They scored two open play goals against the team that had given up none. That's huge. But uh, when you're staring down five draws in the last whatever many games, you're playing team in the LA Galaxy who you beat recently. You know, a 1-1 draw just doesn't feel the same. And that's really the the big overarching takeaway, say, from this LA Galaxy game is that it just it felt like not enough. It felt like you wanted to be happy about some things. You want to be happy that Patrick Metcalf looked pretty good in his, his first start of the MLS season, playing as a, a more a number six after a slow start, mostly due to the heat that seemed to get to all of the Whitecaps players, not just Metcalf, to be fair. He grew into the game. He looked great in the second half. He put in a good shift. You know, Ranko Veselinovic looked good. Eric Godoy looked good, that pair. Maxim Krepo was back. He looked good in goal. Javane Brown and Christian Gutierrez at fullback. Everything was looking good, you know, for the in terms of the back line. Okay, the midfield was a bit questionable. Kyle Alexandre, which I'm mentioning this because this is important for the, the next game. He had a bad game. He got taken off at halftime, and the Whitecaps looked better for it. Not saying that's something they should do long term, but they might have no choice now. Again, an ominous spoiler alert. So it was an interesting game for, okay, they went down early. They adjusted well. They picked up a point. But at the same time, their questions remain about their offense. Questions remain about how they're going to pick up a win. So it was overall a tough performance. All I'll really say about that Galaxy match is, I think something I noted in the the pre-match report I did, that in the first time the Galaxy and Vancouver played this year, Brian White and Lucas Cavallini started together in a 4-4-2, and it was was awful. They got basically no touches between them in dangerous areas, and it just didn't work at all. And then you see Cava and White, albeit in a 4-3-3, but starting again together and it really didn't work it didn't create anything and then ditto we go forward to the san jose match and one of the things i i talked about after the match was brian white had something like 25 touches in 85 minutes that's that's brutal and frankly that's not acceptable from it's that's not brian white's fault because actually he came deep another a number of times and i thought was really good and hold up play like he he took some difficult balls off the chest he made some nice turns but he was so far from goal there were a couple times where he was actually almost back you know he'd gone deeper than his forward line, deeper than the midfielders, and he was like right up against his own center backs and hold up play. And it's just like, what are we doing here? A complete mess. Uh, and I think that goes into, we can talk a little bit about San Jose and well, preview well, I was Austin. Hop on, hop on with the striker yeah. talk. It feels like it's so much has gone on the past few weeks that everything's blending. 
we have to mention that Lucas Cavallini yeah. was taken off that game at halftime and is out for six weeks as of talking. Because I feel like that's a bit of news Cause, that almost because Brian White is is it going forward? Like this I mean, is that's the striker option. So and that's honestly that's not bad. I think the one thing we said with Brian White is he looks best, uh, you know, as an, a lone striker with guys feeding him the ball. The issue yeah. is more what's the point of having him behind Lucas Cavallini? No, no Cavallini gone. All of a sudden you're, if you're fine with the Brian white transaction, this is good. Yeah. I think if you get him the ball, he can do good things. But uh, as we saw in the next game, if you don't get him the ball, well, you may as well play, you know, you may as well play an extra midfielder, may as well play an extra defender instead of him. Cause the poor guy was a spectator the next game. Well, yeah, that that's my issue is that the, the system doesn't work uh, really for whoever is in there at striker. And I think it goes to my my main frustration with the San Jose match, which was the game plan and the fact that coming off four straight draws at the time and and you know failing to pick up three points for so long, the fact that the game plan was wait until the 60th minute and then hope that then bring on and Dahomey could break open the match. I mean, in, in some respects, I guess I understand it, but it's just a Someone in the comments brought this up, and I thought it was really appropriate on A6 Forever, comparing Priestman and MDS, and how Priestman played for three points, took risks to try to win a match, and Mark seems to be constantly managing just not to lose. And I think the San Jose match was a perfect example. You're against a, a team that is volatile, is vulnerable, and... This is a great opportunity to pick up three points, and you're you're essentially playing for a draw, or you're playing for squeaking out three points at the death, rather than trying to dictate play. And this has been an issue throughout the year for the Whitecaps. They're they play to their own limitations rather than trying to expose the limitations of the other team. They they back themselves into a corner sometimes, and I felt like that's what happened against San Jose. You you backed yourself into a corner where the only way to win the match was a moment of brilliance from Dahomey or Gauld. And that's, no matter the quality of the player, that's not going to happen match in, match out. That's not, a, a, consi- big ask for not a consistent way to win um, at, at any level, right? So uh, that's my, my frustration. And I think it brings a lot of pressure to this Austin match because you look at the standings, you look at the run of matches they have Austin. left. You need it's to three points or bust. I don't, I don't think this Whitecaps team can make the playoffs if they don't beat Austin on Wednesday. I mean, we'll get to Austin. Not not that they're going to make the playoffs anyways, but it really becomes next to impossible if they don't pick up three points on Wednesday. Well, it's funny because the the playoffs are so much in the picture. Like, I was doing the math the other day. They've drawn seven of their last nine games, right? They turn three of those games into wins out of seven. That's a realistic ask. Like, looking at some of the teams you played, this nil-nil against San Jose, you know, Ryan Raposo, you talk about individual brilliance. Ryan Gold and Christian Dahomey didn't provide it. Ryan Raposo provided a phenomenal chance for Brian White, who, you know, poor guy, because I feel bad for the guy. He gets no touches. But the one touch, he does get the game. He should bury that. He was he looked unconfident. Yeah, he that, was, that was poor. You know, that's a, a game you should win. That LA Galaxy game, okay, maybe you win that one. Minnesota 2-2, you probably should win that one. Houston 0-0. Some of those games are winnable. Heck, LAFC, you're up 2-0. You should have won that game. Just three of those seven draws they have, they win those, they pick up six extra points, they're tied for a playoff spot right now, despite how, you know, poor they've been. Just to get you an idea. So, like, okay, you know, all that to say. But but then when you get to that point and you're tied for a playoff spot, you have to continue to oh, no. play at that pace 
like if you achieve those three wins now you have to keep up that pace and i think that's the issue for the white caps is that they're not capable of of that level of play this year for for whatever reason is it coaching is it the quality of the roster it's a debate we can get into but that's you know the issue at the core of this oh yeah no i'm not saying playoffs are not playoffs i think roster wise i mean i think we we this this is a playoff roster no but, way you but have the this parody work. in the west has made the whole playoff picture very curious there's so many teams that are i mean both san jose and vancouver kind of been draw fc these last 10 and matches that's not good if you want to make the playoffs but but it keeps everything close yeah no and that's my point is that with how close things are you pick up three wins out of those seven draws all of a sudden you come home, you don't need to light the world on fire right now, as it stands to get to that 45 point barrier, you need to win like 10 games or something like that. You need to win seven games. I think it was something obscene in their last 15, I think nine games it was to, to get there. And it's like, it's doable, but it's just, they're not showing it. So why would you bet (laughs) on it? I'm not sure if it's doable. It's it's certainly it's, it's doable, but is it something you'd bet against? No, I'd probably, you know, it's not something. Keep my money in the bank. I think. Yeah. I'd I'd keep my money in my pockets at that point. So that's the point. It's so frustrating with the white caps. They could have put themselves in a doable position heading home. If you're tied at the playoff spot, heading home for the first time all year, you're happy. But for me, what what stinks to return to the point, it's just the approach considering everything. Yes, going away to, to games and picking up draws is good. I think you go back to the Toronto FC game, that draw, great. In a normal season, that 2-2, some of these draws away from home in Seattle, in Dallas, San Jose, LA, LAFC, all phenomenal draws. But the problem is you have to read the room. Yes, it's a, you it's, have, a, it's a small club mentality, frankly. Yes and no, but for me, the, where I'm at, my point is, you can get away with those draws if you're winning at home, and you can't. Right. You can't have your cake and eat it too, so to speak. You know yeah. the, the metaphor. You can't be, oh, we've been away from home for 19 games because we haven't played at BC Play since last year. Okay, in that case, you got to start treating road games like wins, or you got to take your neutral site games where you are the home team and win those, but they haven't. I mean, they drew Minnesota at home. They drew Houston at home. Those are two games you absolutely have to win. You got battered by Rail Salt Lake at home. You lost to the LA Galaxy at home. All these games, you dropped Colorado 1-0 at home earlier in the year. If you're going to pretend every game is a road game, you're not winning on the road either. I mean, still, they only have one road win in their last, I think, 19 or 20 road games it is where they're listed as the road team. If every game is a road game as you speak, certainly you probably should have won one of those games, you know, in, in that time. So I think dating back to last year, they only, if, if I'm not mistaken, they only have their last road win was against Real Salt Lake last September. And that's the game where Thomas, since then, Thomas Asal suffered a concussion and a broken, partially broken leg, recovered from his injury, missed the start of the season, became the starter again, is no longer the starter. Like so much has happened since that last road win that's just the most frustrating part about the the white caps predicament is that if you're going to celebrate all these road draws which again i agree in a normal 34 game season these road last year they didn't draw any games on the road and that cost them they missed the playoffs because of that because they were winning at home well this year you're not winning at home you're not winning on the road what are you celebrating at that point and it's just it's 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 frustrating because now I get okay you're home finally you play nine of your next fifteen at home that's great if you win nine all nine of those home games you're actually probably in the playoffs with how things are looking but you've set up such an impossible bar are they going to win all nine home games 
probably not. Some games you're gonna play fantastic in the VAR or the ref or something. You're gonna score an own goal. Like that's such a high standard for perfection. And it's kind of all stemmed from the fact that you've had all these away draws that you probably should have turned to, to wins. And it's kind of like, okay, what, what was the point of celebrating all these draws? So I don't know, it's kind of a loopy Point, no, but, but but I think to illustrate this this discussion of the playoff picture and you know last couple matches and what we're talking about, you're talking about you know picking up three wins out of those seven draws or picking up say you know even six of the nine home games they have left. This is a team through 18 matches this year. They have three wins. That's what you're up against, right? So you can say three wins here, three wins there, but that would double even... the win total so far this year. And, and you can, yeah, you can do revisionist history. You can go into the matches and say, if something had gone different there, we might have won. But you don't unfortunately, that's not that. the way the standings work at the end of the day. There's there's no pictures on the scorecard. It doesn't matter how you get it done. You just need to get it done. And I just feel like Dos Santos's tactics have lacked the ambition to turn some of those results around. And I'm not sure I see that changing even when they're at BC place. So... Uh, yeah, for whatever that's worth, I, th- I think it's something to track, certainly. And hey, I'll give Mark credit if he's if he brings some ambition, if he brings some aggression to his tactics at home, then you know, good for him. And maybe I'm willing to be a little more understanding of his, you know, his moanings on the road. But I- I've yet to really see that yet. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I'm I, again, I'm sympathetic of the whole road situation. But if you're gonna Again, if you're going to complain about the road situation, you have to make the most of it. If every game is a road game, then yeah. there's no reason to distinguish them all. Just play like it's a home game. Play your style. You don't have to play to pick up points because it's, it's, it's almost, you know, it's frustrating looking at the three seasons. Because the first season, the Whitecaps were like this year. They drew way too many games. They missed the playoffs by a significant margin. Then last year, they actually won a lot of games. They won a good amount of games. Like they were actually doing well at winning games, but then they didn't draw the road games. They didn't have a coherent strategy. They missed the playoffs. And now they're doing a good, I mean, they've picked up points in 11 of their 18 games. But the problem is, as you mentioned, only three of those are wins. And that's just not good enough. And that's, I guess that's what's frustrating because they're, despite how poor they've been, they're in a position where it's like, if you'd only done, you know, if, you, if you'd only had a better strategy earlier in the season, you could be in such a good position right now. Like, imagine if they were cresting the edge of the playoff line, you finally return home, the momentum's in your favor, you have Ryan Gold. The feeling around this club would be so good right now, but instead you're like, we're, our playoff hopes are, are, are on a life support. You know, we're, we've drawn all these games, we've lost all these games. You just lost your starting striker for for six weeks. You've arguably might have just lost your best midfielder for for long term. Your, your new new signing isn't up to speed yet. All of a sudden, it feels like everything is so much more pressing than it should be. Because if if they're in the playoff spot right now, say or on the edge of it, you're not worried about those things. You're like, okay, you, things are you're coming together. You're feeling confident. They need results pronto. And I just yeah, I I, I agree with you. I don't think again. I'm here sitting here hoping they get it together. What a story that would be. That'd be great for us to cover a team that pulls off a second half comeback like that. You know, they do all these things. But we is that we want happen? to cover playoff games. Like, don't get me wrong. That's the but ideal just, scenario. How realistic is that at the moment? It just doesn't feel like it, it's certainly on the cards as it stands. Yeah. And uh, so we talked about Cava, but that, that Alexandre injury is a that's massive a blow. That's, that's a gut punch because, yes, he didn't have the greatest showing against LA and got pulled off at halftime but 
you know, it's someone who's a who's a core piece of your roster, and I think especially about with with Gold in the fold, you want someone to eat up space in the midfield to be that box to box guy to, you know, allow your number ten to sort of roam unencumbered when he can, and that that's a big loss, you know, especially with the winger depth already being thin. It's just not. All of a sudden, you go from feeling like you have a lot of depth at the midfield position to a couple injuries can really change that. But do you want to talk a little bit Leo Usu, actually? Because I think this this has to represent a massive opportunity for Leo, does it not? I mean, yes. I think, if anything, I'm, I'm not disagreeing. I think the midfield depth, I don't think I have a problem with the midfield depth. For me, my biggest issue with Alexandre's injury is how I break things down is looking at Ryan Gold, for example, I just like his stats last year i think the, i was doing some statistical research on this so i'll try to boil it down quickly since it's, again this is 30 minutes or less or at least trying to be like the white caps are averaging like 9.5 shots per game they have one of the best xg per shots per game ryan gold is good at generating xg he had two and a half key passes a game last year two and a half shots basically he does what he did in portugal last year the white caps get up to 11 or 12 shots they're going to be a lot better team than they are now but the problem is to, for him to do that, he needs the ball. And who is one of the best players at getting the ball up the field to a guy like Ryan Gold? Kyle. Kyle Alexandre. So having him gone from the lineup, for me, that's the biggest blow. You're going to miss that ball progression because at least it's proven. It's statistical. A guy like Leo Wusu, we know he can progress the ball. We see it in training week in, week out. This guy can put his head up when he's feeling it, carve the ball through three players. He can switch the ball. He can get the ball up the field. But confidence-wise, that hasn't always been there. But I'll and give a shout out. And Leo doesn't work through the trash in the same way. Like, Kayo has the ability to play kind of in between every space in between the two boxes and deal with, like, the physical rigors of the midfield. My worry with both Baldi and Leo sometimes, finesse-wise and just skill-wise, they're great passers, but they have struggled in moments at kind of dealing Dribbling with dealing with the junk in the midfield and kind of getting through traffic, getting through bodies. So I think that's something they're really going to miss from Kyle if he's out for a while. Well, that's it. That's why Kyle's good at deep progressions. He's yeah. also not good at he, he's good at progressive passes, but he's also good at progressions with him carrying the ball up the field. Whereas someone like Baldissimo, you don't get you know, that from Baldi. They're, they're more of passers, and that's a good skill set. But just thing with a guy like Kyle Alexander, it's like you mentioned. Yeah, he. You can throw him in and he just progresses the ball. So for me, that's more the big worry. Because I think this is a huge opportunity. Maybe a Wusu, I think he has those skills. Why not? He's been consistently one of the better dribblers in the league at the number six statistically. He's actually like really good at, at dribbling the ball from deep areas. He's good at passing. But confidence-wise, he just doesn't – you watch him, he doesn't have the confidence to do that in the game. So maybe him getting put in this role is the confidence he needs. Because to give him credit – he looked phenomenal in the last, you know, the, the last two games, LA Galaxy off the bench. And then here against San Jose off the bench or as a starter, he had a, you know, a good game. I was impressed with what I saw from Leonard Owusu. So maybe him stepping up, maybe he realizes what at stake, maybe he just has had a fire lit under him as of late with what's going on. I think he could be a solution. But again, the thing is that it's a lot of ifs. And much with those Whitecaps teams, there's a lot of ifs. And for a team, you're, you're that, crossing your fingers. You're hoping for the best, not the ideal yeah. scenario. For a team that needs wins, there's no ifs. You want a little sure things, and the fact that you lost a sure thing in your top in a guy like Cavallini, who's 
you know, finally going to get the service he needs. You know he's going to score. He's not there. Christian Dahomey, who's been the one sure thing you, you've had all year, his health is kind of in doubt right now. And I think he'll be back for this next game and he'll be healthy again. But the fact that there's even doubt, who knows if there'll be a lingering problem, et cetera, et cetera. That's another if. And he was one of your sure things. Ryan Gauld, he's not a sure, he's a sure thing when he's health. He's fully fit, but he's not fully fit yet. Kyle Alexandre, another sure thing from what it seems. He's not fit. And that's just your worry because your only sure things right now are Max Crepo, Ranko Veselinovic, Eric Godoy when he's healthy. Daniel Bacal. Daniel Bacal, Javane Brown, Christian Gutierrez. What do they all have in common? They're defenders. And the Whitecaps need wins, aka they need goals. So that's kind of the issue. Yeah, I think this puts the Kyle injury potentially puts a ton of pressure, even more so, on Bacal in the midfield because he's been doing a lot of that progressing the ball at his feet dribbling up field just you know taking it from outside his own box and and pushing the entire line up the pitch and I think he's gonna have to do a lot more of that if Alexandre is not available and then hopefully Leo if he if he gets some playing time he gets involved can sort of start to get into that mind frame as well but it's it's going to be challenging and and even with someone like Goody he's recovering from an injury as well right so there's spots becoming becoming thin at the wrong time for this white caps team but hopefully Dahomey Gutierrez if if the Christians are healthy for this matchup against Austin on Wednesday that would help a lot certainly yeah no I think it would be a big game changer because if the white caps are to go on this impossible run I, f- I have a feeling having the likes of a healthy Dahomey you know Dahomey Casado Bikel Owusu playing at his best galled along with the current play, the back line, that would go a long way. Because statistically, I was going through it. The Whitecaps' back line, like, we're, I don't think we're talking enough about how good the back line's been as of the, late. The Just, goals against numbers are unflattering, but their play's actually been much better. Well, that. their XG itself, they've yeah. limited to their... They're keeping their opponents to less than one XG per game. They've kept two clean sheets in the last five games. Um, again, the XG numbers have been low. I think in the last... I think it was nine games... I think their average XG is 1.3, which is average, but that that's factoring in the, the shellacking they took from Real Salt Lake and away from Seattle. You take out two results like that, they've been playing at like a 1.15 XG against pace, which is top 10 in MLS defensively. But they just don't score at all. <laughs> they don't score at all, and that's the thing. Their their XG4 is the wor- it's one of the worst in the league. It's 1.14, and it's just like it's too bad because they actually again like i said for how little shots they have they're actually really good at generating good xg it's just they don't shoot the ball enough they don't get the ball in the shooting position so i just wanted to give a shout out to again i talked about those that that five it's max crepo and i'll give a shout out to thomas assault because he did really well in in in, in deputy and I'm, I'm i'm confident when max crepo is going to have to go to canada in september that Hassal will step up again uh to 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 rank of Esselinovich. again we're going to give him due praise in our awards and i've just realized we've hit the halfway point we might have to do an awards show because we did one last year that's just something that's crossed my mind so maybe something you'll see with uh, on your earwaves in the next week or, or week or so something we have to catch up on ranko veselinovich eric godoy heck andy rose looked good last game so that's always nice to see kept a clean sheet always nice uh Juvain brown jake Nerwinski, christian gutierrez shout out to all those guys they're keeping it locked down at the back they're keeping things tidy you just need some goals but uh I guess on that note, for me, the last thing I just want to throw out there before we forget three minutes left on this show, I want to give some due praise to Ryan Raposo. I, I gave him a quick shout out at the beginning. but Other than Ranko, for me, best 
player for the Whitecaps in that last matchup against San Jose. Those were the two guys that stood out, and awesome to see him finally do it in a start because Mark DeSantos, I think, accurately has talked a lot about how Ryan's been able to bring a spark off the bench but struggled to do that in a starting role. And and the first half against San Jose for the Whitecaps overall was very poor, but every time Raposo got in the ball or made a run, it was some of the most positive moments we saw from this the Whitecaps team. So huge shout out to him against against the odds, against the run of play in this match. He he made his impact felt. And I think that's a this is an awesome step forward for him. A guy who kind of needs to this is the time he needs to make a step. Otherwise he there's a bit of fear that, you know, the MLS career could stagnate. So super happy for him. No, that's it. And I, I was to be fair, I thought the the way he was taken off 35 minutes in the KC game was just unfair because it's like that was savage for sure. You, you give a guy his first start in however long, and and you do that like okay, that's a bit ridiculous. But he, I'm he wasn't good, but it was also it was a it was a tough blow. And it was a good, they're playing the top the top team in the West right now as it stands. They got battered away. Was Raposo really the bulkier problems? No, but that's a whole discussion we could go on for hours about. I'm just happy he bounced back. For me, it's all about the bounce back. Some young players or even just other players, not just young players, they haven't been able to bounce back with with Mark DeSantos. And while I personally disagree with how DeSantos has handled some youngsters, what I'll give to to him in some sense that for the most part, he does, you know, he's semi-consistent with, okay, how hard he is on some young players. At least, you know, if you get put in the doghouse, you see, you know, there's a consistent path to, to getting out and credit to Raposo for realizing that and not, you know, for just staying on course despite the setback and and, and battling through it and recovering. So I'll give credit to Raposo for that. And it was nice to see him start. And hopefully he gets more starts if he keeps playing like that because it shows that the Whitecaps have something in him. Yes, there's this whole Daryl DK nonsense. Oh, he was drafted behind Daryl DK. I will stand. You you can't go back and and redo it now. So you might as well maximize the the player you have. Daryl DK, I think we're starting to see it too. Daryl DK benefited from the fact that he had a historic heater last year and we're starting to see it now. He's kind of dropped off a bit and he's still young. I'm not writing off Daryl DK, but I'm just saying he on the white caps. He would have been, he would have been playing in USL right now, probably as David Egbo is like, it's the white caps. What striker has done well here. Even the one they paid 6 million for is struggling to get service. So what do you think a draft pick out of college is going to do? I think Raposo, the, a lot of the Raposo slander was quite unwarranted. Yes, he didn't shoot, but yes, he'd play 10 minutes in every game. And, you know, he, the two games he started, he was basically told to stay behind the ball at half and, and pray that his team would win the ball back and, and get a chance. So I think Ryan Raposo is a great player. I think he's a technical player. He's a player they need to keep playing and keep growing because I think he's the kind of technical player the Whitecaps need more of. So I'm just happy that he... Uh, He's finally getting his due reward and he's working hard. And it's just a player you root for because of his hard work and how per- persistent he is. And I, it's finally good that he's getting what he deserves because I think some of the slander around him was quite frankly a bit unfair. But on that note, you have anything to dump the notebook on? We're at 30 minutes exactly. I think we've surprisingly managed to keep it all together in this show. Yeah, I, I've got one stat for you, which can just be a primer for our live pregame show. Austin FC is the team with the closest margin between goals for and losses so far this year. They have 13 goals for, they have 10 losses. 13 goals for in 19 games or 18 games. 18 games, 13 wow. goals for. So well, I, I was going to throw that out there. Shout I'll out to- leave you on that to, to think about this matchup and we'll be back to preview it with the live show.
So. Shout out to Michael McCall. I think he's his stat was Austin's been shut out in 11 of their last 14 games, which is I don't care if it's Q2 Stadium. I don't care if these guys are loud and it might scare the Whitecaps a bit. These guys have scored. They've been shut out 11 times in their last 14. Like, just think about that. Imagine shut 11 times of their league games. Like, that's obscene. Like, I'm sure if you put out a Sunday league team, surely you off of corners, they'd get not get shut out 11 times in 14 games. So if you're the Whitecaps, this is a must-win game. If you lose this game, I think for me, playoffs is, it kind of feels like a distant memory because you just don't come back if you lose a game like this. Like Everyone has gone into Austin and beat them as of late. It doesn't matter. FC Dallas has beat them. Real Salt Lake, I guess the Houston Dynamo, but as we know, the Dynamo aren't that good. They're they're not that good, but everyone has gone in and beat Austin. So you, you got to go, go out there and win this game and uh, beat the expansion team. Because for me, what's with just how the, the timing, at next, you play LFC at home. That's a tough game. After that, you play Pacific FC away. If you can't go in and beat Austin right now, it's going to be, you know, Pacific's going to look all that much harder at this point. So all I'll say is beat Austin, guys. On that note, I think that's all we have for for this this express edition of the third sub-podcast. I'm your co-host, Alexander Gungaruzic. Uh, just wanted to give a quick shout out to to, to Macy Sports. We obviously shorter show. We didn't get to shout them out as we tend to do in the middle of the show, but just want to shout them out for their great work they're doing as the soccer season ramps up. I know me personally, I, I my soccer season starts you know this week. I'm getting into preseason. I need socks. I need boots. I need all that. Macy Sports is the place to go if you're in the same predicament as me. If you mention that you're a third sub lister, you get a, a little discount. So that's always nice for, for you know saving some money ahead of the new season all that gear is expensive so shout out to macy sports check them out on socials will be in the description of our podcast and you can find me on twitter at alex gungaruzic at bts fancy bts fancy.com and i'll see you guys wednesday for the pregame show for austin yeah you can find me as always at samuel underscore rowboat on twitter at 86forever.com obviously third sub for all our socials thanks for listening everyone and we'll see you soon